let's put your life in buckets. Bucket of vitality, connection, contribution. That's what we're going to talk about when we talk to Jonathan Fields, author of How to Live a Good Life. Check it out. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance and my guest today is Jonathan Fields. I think this might be a three-peat for him, but dad, husband, serial entrepreneur, growth strategist, and author. In fact, we're going to talk about his new book called How to Live a Good Life, Soulful Stories, Surprising Science, and Practical Wisdom. A lot of it coming from his very cool venture called The Good Life project so jonathan thanks for joining me uh it's so great to be hanging out with you i can't believe it's a it, i think you're right i think it is a three-peat <laughs> i do too just you know you spin up another book and people want to hear what you're up to so and i appreciate you taking the time yeah my pleasure. so i'd love it if uh, certainly if uh, listeners we're going to have a link in the in the show notes but the good life project is really one of my favorite um, things to enjoy um i i, I know you've put a great deal into that the last couple of years. And so for people that aren't familiar with it, you want to talk about uh, what the Good Life Project is? Yeah. So I'll take you on two levels pretty quickly. Um, on sort of a meta level, it's a it's a global community. It's an intentional community of people who are deepening into what it means to live a good life, kind of coming together to support each other in doing the things to live a more engaged, more connected, more meaningful life. On the business side and on what we're actually creating on the, you know, quote, venture side of things, there are three legs to the stool. There's media, education, and community. So we started out by producing a broadcast quality video show and have moved to pure audio only. We produce a podcast um, now. Um, and although we may we may touch down and do some mini doc style stuff and video here and there because I'm getting a little bit interested in that again. Um, we produce courses, events. We produce an annual uh, summer camp for adults, where you know almost 400 adults take over a sleepaway camp for four days. And then uh, there's the community side, where we're really focused on getting people connected, both online and on the ground, so that you have the support <laughs> structure needed to do big things. So, how would you describe, I mean, the, the principles, so to speak, of that community? Um, it's really about, I mean, sort of think about it, um, leading with kindness, compassion, um, authenticity is such an overused word, but it's essentially about, it's a place where people can drop the facade, be completely and utterly themselves, um, and know that they'll be supported and also aspire together, um, to build deeply meaningful lives and careers. What do you think that achieves? You know, as opposed to other communities where maybe it's there to, you know, to get mentored or to do mastermind groups where you can learn from each other. Do you find that that those principles help you or help people that are involved achieve something different? Um, yeah, you know, it's well, there are probably a couple of things that, are, that make the community different. Um, one is age wise, our community actually tends to skew more towards sort of like folks who are in the middle years of their lives. Mm -hmm. So there's definitely communities and programs and, and camps and things like that where the ethos is, is younger, it's more partying based. This tends to, our community tends to be more um, in a part of their lives where they're really thinking about meaning. They're thinking about what is my time on this planet about? How, what am I here to create? How can I express my voice? And um, how can I be of service? Um, 
And so a lot of the conversation is around that. So, you know, we talk about business, we talk about money, and at the same time, we talk about meaning, we talk about connection, we talk about health and vitality. So it's almost, um, it's like a more of a full circle approach to how you're living and contributing to the world. Um, and with kind of a grown up lens on it. So, you know, and, and I think a lot of that comes from the fact that, uh, I'm 51. Um, yeah, I'm married. I'm a dad. Um, I'm in business with my wife, and and uh, and a lot of it comes from just sort of us reflecting chunks of that journey. So you mentioned the camp already, and since we're talking about the grown-up lens, um, <laughs> how does the camp fit in? Or give a little more detail about the camp. I think it's such a neat concept, and you you've obviously yeah. had a lot of interest in it. Uh, you've filled it up and, and made it into a business all by itself. Yeah, you know, it's been interesting. This will be uh, coming into 2017. It'll be the fourth year. Um, and we, so the idea started really by wanting to bring together people, take them outside of their normal environment, drop them into a natural setting um, where there's communal living and Bring all of the fun stuff, all the stuff that makes you just forget about everything else that, you know, was involved in camp as a kid. And then integrate some really intelligent programming and workshops that ranges between lifestyle stuff, classes, to small business stuff. So, you know, so on, you may take uh, one workshop on meditation and then from there go into a workshop on branding and then from there go into a workshop on um, bookbinding and you know like an art on something like that so it kind of touches into the different parts of yourself um and tries to weave them all together but you know fundamentally what we're trying to do also is create a safe container for people to come and know that they're going to feel okay they're going to be respected and they're going to find people like them and then we do a lot we we actually put a lot of effort into creating just a social environment where people just let go of posturing and positioning and facades and feel really comfortable walking up to anybody and saying hello. One of the things that surprised us in the beginning was that it's actually a very international community. People get on planes, trains, and automobiles from the other side of the planet to, uh, to come to this gathering. And um, a lot of people come solo, which was a big surprise to us as well. So, you know, we want to make sure that that um, everybody feels comfortable doing that because I'm an introvert and I know that I'm not always comfortable dropping into new experiences and new communities. So we kind of have looked and said, okay, what would make me feel comfortable coming to something like this and built a tremendous amount of stuff around that. And 2017 dates are picked depending upon when you're listening they are. to this? Yeah, last weekend of, of uh, August. August. Awesome. Yeah, and I think we're actually more than half sold out, oh, you know, wow. like almost a year in advance. All right, well, we'll link to that as well. Um, I was reading an article recently talking about uh, the, the the power of networks and that the how connected we are in so many ways today uh, actually is is kind of where the the next wave of influence or influencers will come from. But I also sense that there's a whole lot of people that are feeling very disconnected by that idea. And I wonder if um, if you're tapping into that a little bit. Um, I wonder if you have a sense of, and, and current sort of political rancor aside. I mean, do you do you feel that there is a a bit of a uprising of you know people saying you know all of this connectedness that we have through the phones and all the stuff is actually starting to impact me in negative ways. Um. 
You know, it's a really interesting question. It's something I think about pretty regularly. Um, you use the word networked um, to start out with. I think it's important to distinguish between a network and a community. Mm-hmm. A network basically means that you have access to somebody else. That's in my mind. You know, and you perceive that other person to be somehow of value to you. There, there's a benefit in knowing them. That's not a community. You know, a community is you have access to someone else and you, you know, you know them in the context of a safe container. You know them in the context of having shared values and beliefs and likely worldviews. You know them in the context of sharing um, liked activities and participating in similar aspirations. And you have, you have a genuine relationship. And the fact that that relationship may in some way be of benefit to you is not the primary driver of why you're um, connected to this person. I think it's really important to make that distinction because being connected um, doesn't necessarily benefit you all that much. Um, in fact, we are probably more connected than we've been in history right now right. and more alone mm-hmm. as right. a society than we've been in history. So to me, if you bridge the gap between simply being networked um, and actually participating in community, the big shift there is that with community, you feel a sense of belonging. When you feel a sense of belonging, that creates profound change in your life. And a lot of us stop without getting there. A lot of us just, you know, we try to build up our LinkedIn, you know, database to a certain number based on who we think is of value to us, rather than actually going a step deeper and saying, let me actually participate in genuine community. And and that's going to do something profoundly different. And, you know, the paradox, to some degree, is a lot of the people in your community wouldn't have found each other without the network. Um, yeah, I, well, they wouldn't have found each other, um, are, well, it depends. Are, are you using well, just, sort of te- technology well, I, as an analog to you network? You know, the, I'm just this whole network word now. You know, I mean, the yeah. fact that fact that we can get cash um, in New York City at an ATM, you know, is a network. Yeah. Um, and, a, and so to some degree, I'm talking about our means of communication and our global uh, means of communication. Really, I think, you know, community used to exist only in your church and in your school right. and where, you know, where, where your friends were. And today now community exists and people are actually able to travel across the globe uh, because of that ability to yeah. be part of a network. Yeah, completely agree. I think very often it starts that way. Mm-hmm. And and to me, the real magic happens when you look at that as a as a launching point and not a final destination. Yeah. So you knew I was eventually going to get around to this. What is a good life exactly? <laughs> ah, the fateful question. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. One of the first things that I realized is that everybody defines it differently. But I'll share it in the context of sort of the research that I've been doing, the patterns that I've seen over the years of now talking to, you know, like so many embodied teachers. I look at life as essentially um, three different buckets. Um, Your vitality bucket, which is about optimizing your state of mind and body. Your connection bucket, which is about cultivating deep and meaningful relationships. And your contribution bucket. And that's basically how you're bringing yourself to the world, how you're contributing to the world. So a good life is, if you think about those three buckets, um, doing the things that allow them to be as full as possible and then building a daily practice that has you just continually circling around and filling those things. And what those things are will be, there are some things, you know, and this is a lot of what I write about that are, that are pretty major bucket fillers for pretty much everyone. But on a nuanced level, you know, there are so many things that would be unique to any individual that it's a really good idea to start to kind of carve your own menu over time. It's that point in the show where I'm going to tell you that this 
episode is brought to you by Magic Jack for Business. It is a really cool new way to do phones. Phoning for a small business, for a salesperson, it's your lifeline. Get an unbeatable phone service. Get the reliability of a phone service for much, much less. Magic Jack for Business is like taking your phones to the cloud. You get state-of-the-art technology, whether you need one line or 50. Check it out at magicjackforbusiness slash duct tape, and you're going to get two free months because you're a listener of mine. And if you're one of the first 100 to sign up, you're going to get a free phone too. So check it out at magicjackforbusiness.com slash duct tape. So there are a lot of people that have good life stories, good life aspirations. You cover a lot of those uh, those stories. But one of the things that I like about uh, this particular book in the sort of the category is that you also fill it with a lot of what you actually call surprising science, that it's not, you know, it's not just your method or your thing that you figured out how to be happy. Um, and, and so I want you to talk a little bit about the the elements of science that you brought into this. Yeah, so I'm I'm a bit of a, a geek when it comes to um, personal and business development. Um, you know, what I would call spiritually open and at the same time, the first place I turn is the world of uh, academia, the world of research, because I want to know, is there anything that supports these ideas where it's been reviewed, it's been replicated, and I can validate it? Part of it is for my own mm-hmm. reason. You know, I just want to know. And part of it is because if I'm going to turn around and tell this to someone else, I know there will be a whole bunch of people like me that where the rational brain needs need, needs a hook to hang the hat on. So, you know, there's some really interesting things that have come up, you know, things like um, the role of happiness and money um, in a life well lived and in, you know, in the context of contributing to the world and building businesses, um, what is the role of happiness? You know, is our business, is, is our work here, you know, what's the role of, of happiness in that and what's the role of money in it? And um, there's actually a ton of research on these questions and a little bit of it is counterintuitive, you know. Um, it turns out the maniacal pursuit of happiness directly actually makes a lot of people less happy. Um, so, you know, and, and when we think about money, um, there's been a lot of conversation around this over the last few years. You know, and I think a lot of people have gotten comfortable with the fact that once we hit a certain point, every dollar doesn't make us happy. In the U.S., that point is generally about $75,000. It's where our most basic needs are met. Mm-hmm. Um, what recent inter- recent research is also showing is that happiness is not the same thing as life satisfaction, um, and that we need to separate those things out because happiness is a snapshot in time which is not sustainable, and life satisfaction is much more derived from meaning. And in fact, we can have an incredibly satisfying and deeply meaningful life, but um, not have a ton of happiness in it. So the research around that has been really fascinating for me to see, and it and allows you to reframe effort and sometimes suffering in a way which is much more dealable. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of certainly the Eastern, particularly Eastern writings and teachings <clears throat> about this idea of the highs and lows, you know, the good times and the bad times, and that they really neither one of those exists if you have this meaning idea that that it all just is what it is, and that uh, you know if you if you have that centering thought of this meaning, then the highs aren't so high and the lows aren't so low. 
Yeah, no, indeed. And, and I'm pretty strongly influenced by Eastern philosophy, Buddhism in particular. Um, and what I'm finding increasingly is that um, the world of positive psychology, which is a very rapidly growing field of academia in this country, is very often, um, when you strip it down, it's the science of Eastern philosophy. Right. It's, actually, it's actually looking at a lot of the claims and validating them through scientific well, means. You, you even see people doing all these brain wave studies and things now that they're able to be able to tap into with so much more precision to, to as you said, you know, people talk about meditation is great. Yoga is great. You know, they're now starting to be able to scientifically prove that it's great. Yeah, which is which is awesome in my mind because yeah. you know, like we were saying before, you have some people that just buy in it and are willing yeah. to try, but then some people want to be shown like, here's the here's the legit reason why this works. So you know, we're getting we're getting that increasingly for for everybody. I'll give the serial entrepreneur a loaded question: uh, Does does the word job or role job uh, have a place in a good life anymore? Um, yes, but. I, it depends how you define it, um, you know. So I think it's if you define it very fluidly as the work I'm doing in the world at any given moment in time, sure. Um, if you define it as this is the linear sort of like job that's been prescribed for me, and that's the work and only the work that I'm supposed to be doing, I think increasingly um, that definition is getting pretty arcane. Um, in fact, there's a whole field of it's called job crafting. Right where um, you can take people who are actually pretty miserable in their, quote, J-O-B, and show them how to actually do it differently, very often take on more than what's described in their job description, and end up be, being substantially happier um, without even having to leave that job. The, the basis of, uh, I think you talked about good life, is not only kind of coming up with your plan or you know, what goes in those, or what those buckets look like, but then it's the daily routine. So this is one of those that, you know, you can buy all kinds of journals that will say, here's what you need to do in the morning. Here's what you need to do in the evening. Um, is there a prescription for a daily routine or is it completely – need to be completely personalized? Um, so there are a couple things that I think are sort of like the brushing your teeth types of things that everyone would benefit for. And um, – Funny enough, we actually are coming out with our own journal. <laughs> well, I, I suspect you would. You're, the, 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 the book is set up perfectly for such. <laughs> yeah, you know, the book is sort of like, here are 30 days to get you started. Here's a big idea. Here are 30 days to get you started. And the journal is, you know, the idea is, well, let's turn this into a daily practice. And we have basic suggestions for the morning and the afternoon. But within that, I think there's got to be room for a huge amount of customization or else you'll stop doing it after a few weeks. But some of the big rocks, and, and I'll take this from my own daily practice, um, and I know you know, like this is this is part of your day as well. You know, I wake up first thing in the morning, um, and I sit quietly, and I do two things every day, no matter where, and that is um, some gentle breathing exercises, uh, and this comes out of my yoga background, and then a mindfulness, a seated mindfulness meditation practice. For me, um, the effect has been so profound that. Um, I think it, it, anyone who is out there in the world and tasking themselves with creating something from nothing or building something, um, to not at least have some form of meditative, of stilling practice, I think is doing you personally a huge disservice and it's doing your venture a huge yeah. disservice because it stops you from being able to build what you're here to build um, on any level nearly as effectively as you could be doing it. And it also... It doesn't allow you to experience your life in the way 
that um, that I think you can. I, I think a lot of entrepreneurs underestimate the amount of stress that they put on themselves as well. I, I know oh, that geez. I know that at some point, uh, you know, I had doctors telling me my blood pressure was really high, and I was like, I'm not that stressed out, you know, and I and I and I really, uh, you know, some of it could be you know other physiological things, but uh, ultimately. By doing some of the things that you're talking about, you know, for ten years, uh, I don't have a high blood pressure problem anymore, and I really attribute it 100 percent to that. Yeah, I so agree, and and I know you're also a huge exerciser, and that's another thing, which is just basic common sense. But we want to, you know, we're kind of like, well, no, don't don't tell me to move my body, just tell me what's the app, <laughs> you know, that that just takes care of that for me. And it's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. like we're not evolved enough to actually turn that into an app. The human body still needs what it needs, and the human brain still needs what it needs. But um, yeah, and I, I so agree. What by the way, with the point that you just made. Entrepreneurs, if you ask so many, well, you know, why do you want to be an entrepreneur, or why are you an entrepreneur, and they'll they'll tell you where I, I want freedom and I want control, which are two of the biggest myths of entrepreneurship. You yeah. know, yeah. that that you know there is a certain amount of freedom, um, but you know, we all still have bosses, and they're they're just called customers now instead of an immediate supervisor, and in terms of freedom and control, very often that comes over time as you start to craft things, but. In the early days of building a company, you know, it can be brutally hard and astonishingly stressful. And if you're not doing the things on a daily basis to make yourself okay, it can actually, in my mind, be far harder on you than, you know, a quote, J-O-B. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Because I think that uh, especially a lot of people when they're building this thing, they get so attached to it and so connected and everything's personal. You know, a customer complains and it ruins your day. You know, whereas yeah, totally. if it, if you if it was as you described the job where you're like, eh, you know, you can't make everybody happy. But uh, I think we we tend to internalize so much more. So I look forward to the journal. Uh, I'm talking with Jonathan Fields, author of How to Live a Good Life. Jonathan, you want to talk about where people can find all these uh, goodies that we've been talking about today? And again, we'll have these in the show notes. Sure. So you can find pretty much everything at Good Life Project. Dot com And the book is pretty much available at booksellers, online, offline, everywhere. Awesome. So if you've enjoyed today's show, uh, go to ducttapemarketing.com to find the show notes. And like all of us marketers, uh, we love reviews. We love to also hear, uh, are there other people out there, other voices like Jonathan's that you would like to hear from? Jonathan, thanks for joining us. And hopefully we will see you very soon out there on the road. Yeah, thanks so much for inviting me.